Hey. Hey. Is that it? That's it. Just a That's it. That's the pot. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey. It's because it's summer and nighttime. We're doing this at a very unusual time. It's very early for us. Yes. So, so it's kind of different. Yeah. In Belgium today, 15th of uh, August, it's a holiday. Uh, it's a, some kind of Christian holiday. Um, a, a s- oh, Assumption Day. Some, yes, Holy Mother Mary went to the, the heavenly skies, something like that. Yes, and Turned into a big party and they wrote about it. And so we celebrate it 2,000 years later. Exactly. Yes. Cool. Yeah, All right. It. Cool. Um, so we Excuse decided me. to spend the day together Aww. because it's a day off. So <laughs> Yes. And we decided because we're doing uh, a, a presentation together. Yeah, we got a long list, haven't we? So yes. we are pres- If people want to come and see us, they can come and see us. We are everywhere in Bletchley, Bletchley Park. We're, we're going to be doing something yes. on goals and uh, the, the power business of focus. Science, the power of focus. I love that title. Who yes. thought about that? Me. Yes, you yeah, did. There you go. So we're doing the power of focus, uh, and then we were also working on our workshop. Which is going to be on Friday the thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth at the South Coast Summit in Farnborough. Yes. yes. So that's going to be cool. Uh, and tickets are now on sale. The email came through this morning. So if you mm-hmm. want to join us at the workshop, you can do that. Costs you seventy pounds. Seventy pounds, including all your lunch and everything else. Cheaper yes. off the price. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have got a really good workshop. It's on the boring subject of governance. But we don't do anything in a we boring don't. way. No, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, as we look at governance in Microsoft 365, uh, lots mm-hmm. of takeaways, very practical workshop. Yeah. So that's for the day. And then if you happen to get onto Twitter now, I will wait while you get your phone out. <laughs> Whip it out. Whip it out. Uh, we're going to be talking about packages and things today as well. I'm also sure that's going to have some uh-huh. kind of double uh-huh. entendre. Mm-hmm. So if you've whipped out your phone, so um, get yourself a, a new tweet. Put uh, at a new 365. Post, the it's X called phone. now. Yeah, yes. okay. And the hashtag is hashtag Moraine and Steve 007. Steve or Moraine. it's hashtag Steve and Moraine 007. We'll search for both. And the, uh, there are two places left at the dinner on Friday night after the, the workshop. Exclusive, exclusive dinner. Office 365 table. Yes. So this is the uh, UK uh, Influencer Award for Microsoft 365. Yes. Um, you could also just pay to get a seat somewhere at some kind of boring table. Or you can join us. At the fun table, at the Office 365 distilled table, probably will be some whiskey involved. Shh. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, Just by putting that hashtag in and we will search for them and the we'll go by date. So the first six or seven people that... Uh, I put it in, but there are two places left. We were just working it out earlier. Mm-hmm. So if you fancy, it's all paid for. We're not going to charge you for it. Uh, uh, we booked the table. Um, actually, I guess you need to invoice me for that still because I know you booked the table. But then that's Oh, fine. yeah. We'll worry about yeah. that later. Mm-hmm. All right, so there you go. Chance to join us at the South Cove Summit. Uh, come to the workshop. 
and then join us for dinner and see who's got the awards for all kinds of really cool areas of the uh, the Microsoft 365 space. Yeah. And we should be up for podcasts, so you never know. You might be there on a winning table. Ooh. Moraine's not so sure. He thinks there's some tough competition out there. Absolutely. Because there are some brilliant podcasts out there. So, yes, mm-hmm. so there you go. And I have checked. You don't have to be British. Yes. I read the rules. Yes. yes. I read the rules. Good. Good, good, good. All right, good. So that's that. And then I think there's another time we're doing focus. We're, well, we're in for. We haven't had anything confirmed yet, have we? So, oh, yeah. What are we doing in Belgium? Um, we uh, do Collab Days Belgium. Yes. Um, I'm having a session with Anouk at Collab Days Belgium about uh, Viva Connections. Okay, cool. And I think I can't remember what I'm doing, but I'm doing one. You're doing one I'll as well. I'll have to look at I those. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so that'll be yes. a good day. So you can come and catch us there as well, I think. Yeah. And we're in for a few others. We're just waiting for announcements. I am see in for Collab Days Helsinki as well to get away with Nuke. Doing to a talk. different one this time. Yeah, to talk about um, if you want to make your SharePoint list look pretty, your forms look pretty to create new items and stuff like so that. One, one of you is going to win this competition. Yes. So it's about which is better. Well, which is better? Anouk is going to come at it from a Power Apps uh, side. So yep. she's going to show off Power Apps. I'm going to show off what you can do with JSON and just your default list formatting. You know you don't stand a chance, don't you? Uh, <laughs> maybe. But it's, it, the, the, the ending is going to be an, an it depends. It is going to be that. Yeah. Of course, so there's going to be advantages and disadvantages, both yes. in simplicity and stuff exactly. like this. So, yeah, so that's that. We should also do a very big shout-out for Anouk, who spoke at the New York Community Days a few weeks ago. She did, yes. And, and I happened to mention to her that we have been trying to get hold of a bottle of whiskey that is only available in the US, although we did actually see it online this morning in Europe, but we've not realized yeah, that. Yeah, but for a crazy price. Yeah. So. And so we are going to be drinking Metallica's own whiskey. Mm-hmm. And we'll give you those details a little bit later on as yes. we taste this. Well, we actually did taste it earlier. And, we might. Um, no yes. surprise. Miranda wow. don't know whether he likes it or not yet. So we might have decided at the end. We'll see. Exactly. So, yeah, big shout out and a thank you for that. It's a change wow. day today. It is. We're going to yeah. go back to just some adoption and change stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. Which is good. Yeah, I like that topic, and then yeah. I feel like it's 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 always needed, and there there are still changes, and changes keep happening. I know, and we've been singing the stupid song all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mister Bowie, there we go. Mm. Actually, I I went to. Um, um, I'm just going to take a glass of water. Okay, this suspense. Ta-da. I went to a concert last week. Okay, do you know who wrote the song? Change. I did not. I do not. I don't know either now because the names just shot out my head. No, no, no. Come back to me in a minute. Um, Oh, come on. The guy that does Chic, Le Freak, guitarist. Damn, it'll come to me in about 20 minutes, right in the middle, and I shout it out. That's fine. But this this guy is 80 years old. He was playing in Antwerp, just down the road here, the the park, Mm -hmm. the Riven off. Yeah. And uh, I got a, a ticket offered, and it was pouring down with rain all night and it's open air so yep. i got very wet but the guy just did hit after hit after hit and he uh, produces them and he writes these songs for everybody from madonna to david bowie to obviously his own chic team to 
Oh, look, so it was an an hour and a half, two hours of just constant disco Hits. and Motown nice. dancing and everything else. And uh, um, and it nearly came to me then and disappeared out oh, my stupid no. head again. Oh, so no. I will remember in a second. Yes. Everybody else's the podcast is going, it's so-and-so, you idiot. But uh, his name will come back to me. But it was super. The guy's 80-odd years old. And uh, he's written songs from Madonna and he did Material Girl and all okay. that crap. Okay. And he gets 4% every time that record is played on the radio. It's an amazing way to make money is, is to produce and uh, record music. Yes, actually. Niles Rogers. Oh, Niles yeah. Rogers. I heard about him. Yeah, it was yes. a great gig. It was okay. a great gig. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to talk about um, something we've touched on before, which is the fact that there's always constant change around. All yes. right, in the Microsoft apps get updated and SharePoint gets yes. updated, and that's got but a big update coming. This time, shit got real. It did. <laughs> Dead right. Dead right. Um, I'm fairly sure that if you're uh, some of our technical listeners, I know some MVPs listen to us uh, and all that kind of stuff, you're already up to speed on the fact that MS Teams is now new MS Teams, or it's now just started mm-hmm. labeling mm-hmm. itself as new. It's moving out of preview into new, and Outlook is also new. Yes, and the in terms, one outlook. Yeah. And so this change is huge. It's not just different colors and different ways of working, but it's the applications that everybody uses, 260 million users a month or something, or is it a no, day or whatever? No, over 300 now. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, we're talking about yeah. lots and lots of people changing them. And so... From a change perspective, this is not just a simple update. No, and, and it's we're talking about Outlook. Outlook has seen a number of incremental upgrades over the years. Only a few, yeah. Uh, only a few, but this one is pretty big. And the fact that people got annoyed that the menu icons changed from the bottom to the side yes <laughs> yes you know just simplifies off the other changes that are coming out are just yeah. hard work so we just think this is something that you can't accept as being part of the everyday change uh that there's some work to do here and so we thought we would take a quick look at some ideas uh, on how that you can potentially do regular change and get ready for those regular kinds of changes. So we've got some new ideas, some new golden nuggets coming. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so let's just take a very, very quick look at some of the examples of some of the things that are changing in Outlook that either will be or will not be available soon. That's the problem with working in your flat because the window's a distraction. Yes, I see all. I see people walking down all the time. So normally, and that's one of one one of the things that I really love with living here is that a few roads backwards, there is a Lamborghini garage, a you Ferrari garage, an Aston Martin garage, and this is actually the road that they used to drive their little customers. So, not today, though, because I see today. the roadworks are on there, yes, so I had to drive works. around and around to get here. But exactly. yeah, that's but cool. But yes, uh, people walking through uh, here uh, with their little dogs and whatnot, so yes, that's oh, fine. Oh, cute. Like Smallville or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get a little god mode, like looking from above to um, the people below. So. Got it. Anyway. I got it, got it. All right, anyway. cool. So we're going to look at some of those changes that we've seen already. I mean, and other people have talked about as well, mm-hmm. um, um, because there are there are some issues with this. 
online yeah. only. So Outlook at the moment, you can, if you are testing the new one, is online only. Yes. So if you, the days of having your email on the train and being able to answer them and everything else um, has gone, at least for the time being. Yeah. Um, we do expect PST files to be read again by the new application, but currently uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things that people are going to have to get used to in the early days if you decide to roll it out early on, of course. Yeah. And, annoying. and it's, it is an, it's a pretty annoying thing. On, on the one hand, we are almost on, always online. Yeah, it's true. Unless you take that train or the airplane or the automobile somewhere and you want to respond to that one email. Nope, I agree. ICS, so uh, Integrated Calendar, what does ICS stand for? I have no idea. No, no, that no. would be IH, no I. So, uh, <laughs> something, Integrated Calendar, something. Integrated Calendar something, there we go. <laughs> exactly. So ICS files, yes. they weird. They currently work in a bit weird at the moment. Yeah, but so for, for a number of months, uh, what you had to do is go back to the old Outlook and then open up the ICS and then move back to the new one. Uh, but they now have added a little browser window where you can upload it, like a proper upload uh, open file dialog thing. Yep. And that will integrate it into your calendar, but it yeah. doesn't look very... Nowadays, I mean, especially cool. considering the way you do it today, where you just double-click on it and it opens and you save it and it's done. Yeah, But, but exactly. that's but we're going to talk about annoying changes later, but that's a typical example of that annoying change. Yes. Because I know exactly how to deal with ICS files now. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to double-click on them and then I save them and then we're good yeah, to go. Exactly, now yeah. I have to download them and then I have to upload them and find them and everything else. So mm -hmm. we, we also need to say that we're not wanted to frighten people here, you know. Um, there, for, from an Outlook perspective, you don't actually have to roll in, roll up to the new one. It's going to be a, a different install package and all that kind of stuff. And there are ways of saying, no, I'm going to stick with the old one, but that won't last. Yeah, but the, 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 the thing is, you got a number of different rollout speeds from Microsoft. So you have your insiders and your public previews and your standard release. Yep. But you also have like a six-month release. So every six months we will do a, a release. Yep. But because this uh, Outlook has been in there, the new Outlook has been in there for a number of months on the regular release, I believe that um, that six-month release will... Uh, get a number of people by surprise i think yeah so well that's part of what we wanted to we we wanted to talk about here so we talk about outlook um we'll talk about why that maybe in a little bit let's just talk about some of the team stuff mm -hmm. so my favorite one is the reverse chat you know instead yes. i still do it even though i've been you're running teams in preview for a while and i've now got the new teams well um, chats are still on the bottom, but the that channel, true, the channel the conversations, yes. they're on the top, which, to be honest, I think is pretty silly. Just move everything to the top, so then. Oh, but again, know. it's one of those annoying things. Yes. And even now, I suddenly go to a channel and start to scroll down because you're used to doing it, and then all of a sudden you have to go stop. And yeah, yeah, annoying, annoying, yes. annoying change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also um, applications. 
So there's no way to install third-party applications. I think Microsoft applications are now rolling out on the new um, Teams. Uh, yes, but I think I had an example the other day um, where I wanted to add the channel calendar, the Microsoft oh, yeah. Challenge mm-hmm. Calendar app, and yeah. it wouldn't do it. So I had to yeah. go and revert back to the old version and mm-hmm. and everything else. And reverting back from new versions to old versions is not the moment click thing. You know, no. it has to rebuild the data and import it and export it and, and get it together there. So, and and we're not complaining, Microsoft. We know that things need to change. Dear Jeff. All right. Dear Jeff. Dear Jeff. We found we're one. We couldn't remember one when we was with uh, Ami the other day. Yes. Yeah. Dear Jeff, we're not really complaining, but... Um, but we know that they're, they're changing the canvas and, and preparing for a, a lot more functionality and all that kind of stuff. We did hear that you would have to have the new version of Outlook if you want to run... Copilot. Copilot, yes. yeah. So that's going to be one of the conditions. So again, mm-hmm. there's some turning, there's some dependencies here, depending on where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that's key. Exactly. Um and then the biggest thing for me with Teams is that um, I work in an environment where we have Citrix and desktop, mm-hmm. and we already have differences and a gap between the functionality and operations between Teams in the the virtual space and in the uh, desktop and the real space. It's getting wider with yeah. new Teams and such a, a big functionality. That reverse chat thing, imagine that you're in Citrix one day and then everything is going the right way around or the wrong way around, depending on how you look at it, but it's going up instead of down and it yep. will be reversed if you happen to open it up in in desktop so uh yeah kind of uh kind of an issue so, so they're typically why they're the typical changes that or some examples not typical mm-hmm. examples yep. of some changes exactly um so but the fact is that especially for outlook outlook is the tool that all the information workers use correct and uh it's got uh, it's it's got a really big impact in the way how a lot of people are going to work. So the impact of this change is going to be big. So it's there is going to be chaos when we are rolling this out. Chaos. So what big we word. actually need is a process for managing that change. Yeah, we kind of came up with a bit of a model for it, didn't we? Which was a very simplified model, which we'll get into a little bit later on. Um, We also sat there and aligned this to uh, defense categories. You know, this is a kind of a DEFCON 2 situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is some work to do here. Mm -hmm. Whereas for those traditional changes, you can kind of not have to do the change. Um, you are going to have to do something here. But that brought us on to thinking about um, different kinds of packages uh, or different change processes maybe that would actually help you in the future as other changes come down the line. Because one of the things we haven't said earlier, but in Outlook particularly, there is some functionality that is just not going to be available in the new version. I know we've talked about uh, online and stuff. We know they're going to change. And we've seen this with with SharePoint, when they changed mm-hmm. SharePoint from 2010. Yeah, classic whatever, SharePoint classic, to modern yeah, exactly SharePoint. Exactly, good yes. right words. Yes. We know that they released it with some functionality missing, and then they added <laughs> functionality. A lot of functionality missing, <laughs> yes. to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so we know that there's going to be changes moving forward. So we kind of thought about whether we could do change packages in different sizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Exactly. So we kind of came up with T-shirt uh, sizes, uh, small, medium, large change, or even an extra large uh, change. Or, or in this case, an XXXXXL size yeah. T-shirt. Yes. Exactly. It was actually uh, funny. I had my dad over this weekend for uh, brunch. And my dad's kind of a big guy as well. And and he was uh, talking about 20 years ago, he had this little shop that was built for big guys. Okay. And he said like the smallest size there was XL and it went all the way up to 6XL. Wow. So I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's tent size. That's, uh, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Party tent size. Well, I guess the six SL also is very tall people as well. So yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, um, yeah. But but yeah, it's interesting. So yes, depending on the package sizes. So and the size of the package depends upon a number of characteristics. Mm-hmm. So we kind of thought about about those a little bit. So yes, exactly. So um, the the reason why we want to put this in in packages is to kind of have a way to automate uh, or to have a, a system in place to decide what you need to do around this change. Yeah, so if it's a small package, you've, you've got a set number of tasks or things to deliver yes. and it will do 90% of yeah. your change in those particular areas. But also if you bring this to a change management board or something like yeah. that, uh, they know how much money they need to allocate, Correct. how to put a budget onto it, uh, but also how much work is going to be needed from the help desk, from your trainers, from your champions. So how much uh, planning and, and actual work yeah. uh, will and, be involved. And I think it can, uh, it can get even better than that in some respects depending on how well you implement such a, a system, which you can all decide when we finish this podcast. No, fuck it. I'm not going anywhere near that. Or you might think, that's a brilliant idea. Yes, another golden nugget from the boys. I on think this is a brilliant night. idea. I think so yeah. too, but let's everybody else can decide that a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. But the, the other thing that struck me was that you can, uh, just like we do in an agile world where we work out how many story points we can deliver every every mm-hmm. sprint yep. and so we know when we go into a sprint whether we're actually stressing ourselves because we have a lot of work to do or actually whether it's going to be an easy sprint because you've got the rest so imagine having an organization where you can say every quarter we can do this amount of change change points yeah yes so we yes. could then say the package is equal to a number of change so you can actually say this is what the company has been able to deal with the last quarter so for the next quarter we can only prioritize projects that allow us to work within this change budget. Yes, I think I think that is freaking bonkers. That is that is awesome. Yes, because also depending on what kind of organization you are, you might be more change averse or you would like change or you can you can handle more change. And by and by doing it in a story points kind of agile way, Every there's no fixed number for every organization, um, and uh, and and as you say, every organization will be different. So some organizations, from an IT perspective only, mm-hmm. of course. Or well, actually no. Let's back away from that. Some organizations are far more process driven. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so then they can probably have a higher number of change process uh, change number, mm-hmm. whereas organizations that are more creative and driven by customer needs and all that kind of stuff, uh, or service oriented. They would probably have 
a more varied number of on a quarter to quarter, depending on the kinds of projects they're working. Uh, but either way around, you would all be able to get an average number of story points for change that you can deal with. So yeah. change story points. There's the golden nugget, Marine. Write this one I down. I think so. You yes. said you were going to write all these golden nuggets down for your retirement package, you know, writing a book. <laughs> My retirement package. Yes. But yeah, no, absolutely. I think we, we need to have something like this, uh, like a change points um yes yeah that's cool so that golden nugget that you're drawing on the board now is a little bit of an icon it looks a little bit more like a piece of dog crap than the golden nugget so we need to make sure we get an artist to draw that one properly yes 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 we do all right good all right so so we talked about different packages so then we talked about the different things that would be that would affect the size of the package. So mm-hmm. do, we, do we want to go into packages a little bit more detail? Yes. Maybe we do. So, so what we're saying is that if it's a small package, it might need to have two lots of communications, two weeks apart, and we need to do two workshops just mm-hmm. to make sure that those people that understand it can pick it up from the communications. Those people that uh, don't, they can go to a, a two-hour workshop or something. Yeah, or you, you might even say it's a small change, so it doesn't require training. It only requires a little explanation. Yep, and then we yeah. might go with a medium-sized T-shirt, mm-hmm. and that would then require a little bit of training, maybe, yeah. or just an online training package yeah. that needs to be done. Uh, or everyone then, needs to follow this little video or this little online session. Yep. Whatever's mm-hmm. needed, a yep. certain number of comms messages. Yeah. Um, we could work it onto the ad car stuff, of course. We can yep. work out where we're at. Whereas, for example, an Excel mm-hmm. might require a, a lot more communications, uh, some input from the a board. A full ad car driven, process. Yeah, maybe yeah. a package. And it may require measurements because you need to yeah. know how successful it would be. Whereas a small one, you know, the it's not it has low impact, for example, just taking one of the criteria we're going to talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, so when it comes to Outlook and Teams, we'll come back to the package size at the end of this section so we get some idea of where we think it might fit just for fun. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we're going to move on to a little bit as well but not, uh, but is whether there's a model here that can be built. So we'll, we'll check this one out. But anyway, um, some of the attributes that we had in the list. Uh, so impact. Yes, <laughs> What's the impact uh, of this change? So will it affect your ability to deliver your product? Will mm-hmm. it affect your delivery to, select, to uh, deliver service to your customers? Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it something that you might need 50 times a day or just two times a day? And I've yep. got a ring on my doorbell. Okay. So we'll just pause for a second or two. Turned out to be he was bringing parcels in for his neighbors downstairs. Yep. How very community driven for you. I know. I'm the <laughs> MVP of the building. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So we were talking about impact. Yes. An impact can have can be varied in lots of different ways, can't it? Yeah. So one little change. You could just send an email out and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet another change, still small. But it might impact, well, like the ICS one. So at yeah. the moment, it's it's a very small change, um, but it's something that people use a lot of. Yes. So the impact would be larger. So you would need to do more comms and more training, for yeah. example. Uh, I think a good example of a one 
with a small impact, but with a definite impact, is, for example, the new uh, sharing menu in, in SharePoint. Yes. So it looks a little different. The buttons are somewhere else. It's not a big impact, but people that are going to share a file will definitely notice that it looks different. Well, we could say uh, another same thing where, you know, we mentioned earlier that the icons have changed. So mm -hmm. they used to be at the bottom and now they're on the side. On, on the side in Outlook, yes. You yeah. know, even though Microsoft's strategy for a while has been to move all their things, the bigger high-level icons to the side, it's mm -hmm. still uh, has a level of impact. Yep. What makes me smile is that, dear Jeff, not everything is being done for the better. Every time you hear the likes of Jeff and one or two others saying, hey, we've improved the way you share a file in SharePoint now. It's so much easier to do this, but different people will find it easier and other people will find it hard, mm -hmm. especially those that use it on a regular basis mm -hmm. in the, the buttons in a different place or I have to fill it out differently. So impact is difficult to, to define, but it's yeah. important to get a handle on it. Yeah, exactly. All right, next one. It's related to impact in some ways. The audience size, how yeah. many people are actually impacted by that? So you'd need to do a, a, a search, for example, to find out how many people are sharing content on SharePoint every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then if it's 10,000 people or 10,000 shares a day, you are in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a, it's a big number. But if it's, you know, if it's 20, then it's not. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing is that if you can do that kind of measurement and statistical um, uh, analysis, it's the wrong word I'm looking for, but if you can do that kind of analysis to get you a list of names of people that use that feature, mm -hmm. then you can actually do a very precise change by just telling only those people. So you can have a small package for everybody to say, hey, there's a change. But for those people that are using it, because it's very easy to find out who's sharing content on your SharePoint environment. Yeah, but for sharing, I mean, you might have done that five times already last week, but maybe next week I need to do that for the first time. No, I get it. So you can well, yeah. do a, a small change for everybody, but you could actually mm -hmm. deal with those specific people. Because don't forget, they'll be the ones that will come back to you and said, oh, well, I don't like this change. Yeah, because yes. I've done it for so long and now I have this issue. So the more you can preempt that kind of stuff, the more comfortable your life gets. That is true. Yes. So audience size so is going to affect the uh, impact. So a big impact for six people will have a different response for a little impact for 10,000 people. True. Yeah, exactly. And that will decide whether it's a small, a medium, large, or a, an XL. I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then the next is uh, the size of the change. Size matters. Size matters. I was going to say, I knew there was yeah. a double entendre in here somewhere. Um, size mm -hmm. does matter. Mm -hmm. We won't quote the jokes we mentioned earlier. It would be slightly inappropriate, and we'd have to put a category 18 plus on this podcast but size of the change is important yes so um how do you define that though that's difficult yeah i think it has to do with uh with with impact uh, as well agreed um but how do you define it it's all very um touchy-feely so one of the things that we talked about earlier uh, was how many people you have on your public preview. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and actually having people that are volunteering to actually use the latest and greatest features, um, even if it's for a short period of time. So I think if, if you go into public preview, you get them for three months, or is it six weeks? Um, the, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the one for Office, the public preview is should be six weeks. Okay. Yeah. But six weeks is still long enough for you to get a a reasonable assessment of whether the change is annoying to the, what level of annoyance, whether mm-hmm. it's you keep forgetting that the change has happened. So you do it mm-hmm. the old way instead of the new way, which again is another annoyance or you keep doing it wrong because yep. the change means that you forget to add a sensitivity label because the sensitivity labels are renamed or something, you know, I'm choosing one from random, of course. Um, so, but, but getting people to actually start using it is not a bad thing. That will give you some idea of the size of the change, the impact of the change, the audience size. Mm-hmm. All of these are very closely tied together. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, I think the next one is is the brilliant one. <laughs> the annoyance, the level of annoyance. Yes. I, I mean, I've just referenced it a little bit. You know, if, if a button is in the wrong place from the top to the bottom, mm-hmm. um, it's a bit like when we do, if we think about SharePoint admin going in the old days when you went to the admin pages and the button used to be at the top of the page. Yeah. So you would go down and make your changes and you'd know you had to scroll up to the top to press save. And then they changed it to the bottom. And of course, you did all the changes. And I can see Microsoft's logic. It was, well, you're already at the bottom of the page, so let's put the button there. But of course, you don't think about it because your habit is that you scroll to the top to press save. On the basis is you can check it on the way up. And then what do they do? They put it on both places, top Mm -hmm. and bottom. And then the next release, they took one of them away. So, you know, that's just annoying. But it's the same thing with having your uh, reverse chat uh, window and your create new post window that's now on the top. Yes, it's it's not a it's not a big sa- uh, change in in terms of functionality because the functionality is still there. It's just that the compose box has moved from the top to the bottom or from the bottom to the top, and it's just annoying when you go there. Oh, I'm scrolling down. No, I need to look up. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I mean, but there are worse changes. I often put of I often put chocolate in my coffee on the coffee machine at work. Okay. Because it's very annoying because you make yourself a coffee and then you know where the next screen is. So you go and press the button where the next screen is only to find you've missed the button and now you're adding coffee, uh, chocolate into your coffee. Yeah. Which I find annoying. I mean, it's because I have no patience. Mm-hmm. But we create um, mental habits Yes. So you go click, 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 done, you know, because I've yeah. done it 20 times a day. So you go click, 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 done. <clears throat> I know I drink too much coffee. But with those mental habits, people get used to where things are. And, and all of a sudden, it completely blows their focus when the button's not in the right place or it's yep. got a new color or it's a new label. Yeah. So trying to define the annoyance of something, it's not just about how many angry people we're going to get emails from the following day when we roll it out, although that is part of it. Mm-hmm. And let's not underestimate the cost for your service desk because yeah. they are going to get phone calls and everything else around this as well. Yeah. So there are some costs to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so you kind of need to work out where you're at. And again, the idea of having a bunch of people, a large bunch of people, 30 or 40 people 
trying out the new stuff in advance so you get as many updates possible and then questioning them to find out what was most annoying, what was easiest to accept, what was a real improvement so you can tell good stories. But yes, annoyance um, is is interesting. Yes, also I think that that annoyance level also ties back to how many change points we can have. Yes. Because something that is very annoying, a change that's very annoying, is something that people will remember for a longer time yes. than something that's not annoying at all. Yeah. So uh, I was uh, thinking of something else, and then you came up with that really, really good point next mm -hmm. to that uh, golden nugget picture, which is now actually looking like a Muppet character. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, so yes, that annoyance, um, uh, I, I just also was again, picking up my point about the fact that you're, you're effectively affecting people's ability to focus will have a higher impact if it's, you know, uh, one of those kind of significant things, moving your mouse across a long distance on the screen to do a same process you've done all the time in the world will actually take longer and, um, yeah, it's part of your mental process to change. So, okay. uh, so yes, more changes. Again, there's a, a category there, the four of them, impact, audience size, size change, and annoyance. They will decide how much communications you need to keep reminding people of the change, how many emails you need to send out, where all those things are going to, how much training and awareness and everything else that you need to put into play. Mm -hmm. So I guess all of those are around small changes, really, with high impact or with large number of audiences. Yeah. But in terms of outlook and teams changes, what we actually have here is functional change. Um, it is, yes. And technical change as well. Yes. Because why can't I be working offline now? It's something that I need to do. It's something that I want to do. Yes, but technically it's not possible anymore. Yeah, it's difficult to believe that this is ever going to go they're going to withdraw the old version without fixing that. I'm, it's I, weird, yes. Yeah, dear Jeff, please don't do that. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so for Outlook, I see this as a big uh, functional change, definitely. Uh, for Teams, um, it is a functional change. Uh, well, in Outlook, well. they changed the freaking ribbons. So everything's in a different place in the ribbons. You've got different icons in the ribbons so yep. that they look different. Mm -hmm. You've got a different operation for some of those. Mm -hmm. uh, I might be wrong, but I can't remember seeing a drop-down menu from the ribbons anymore. Ooh, um, you can't gone. either, obviously. So maybe we don't use them that often. So maybe the way of making some of those functional choices are... Uh, it, it it's something that's sense. really quite interesting and it's one of the big gray areas of all of this conversation we're having about the change packages is that we all think differently so we don't really care that this change comes on in fact we eagerly because we're all sad buggers i suppose but you know we <laughs> eagerly say yes give me that latest version not mm -hmm. because i want to tell anybody else but i just my ego says i must always have the latest and greatest version yeah and I can live with the pain and I can live with the fact that I need to change. But there are other people that, you know, this is not their main job. Mm -hmm. Their main job is not operating Outlook or Teams. It's no. a tool. Yes. And and it's the same as if you change the size of a nut on an engine and, and a, 
mechanic is so used to the fact that that's a 12 millimeter spanner that I need. And then, you know, it changes to an eight Mm -hmm. and it will take weeks for him to stop picking up that 12 12 millimeter spanner uh, because he's been doing it for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so functional change is one of the biggest areas. And to measure it, you really need to do a, this is the way we used to work and this is the way we're going to work to get you some idea of whether this is a medium T-shirt or an extra large T-shirt kind of change. Um, yes. And any major functional change was always going to need training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it will deliver less efficient workers. For some time. For some time, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, I think that's, one of the things that might not be super relevant when we're talking about Office 365, but also the value of the change might be something to consider here uh, as well. Like if we're going to do this change, what is the value for us? Now, a number of these things, like for example, the new Outlook, the new Teams, those are things that we have to do at some point. I mean, we can't... We can't say, no, we're not going to do this change. That's the, the thing That's of working with, with Microsoft 365 technology is that you kind of have to take whatever Microsoft cooks up and um, you have to drink that. Um, but if it's about, for example, custom applications or something else, like what is the value of this change and do we even want to do this? But that's... A whole different discussion, I but, guess. But well, it is kind of, but how do you define the value? So somehow you've got to say, hey, look, guys, I know it's a new version of Outlook and I know that it's a bit different and it looks a bit different. And But these are the reason why we're making this change. This is where it will add value. And then it's easier to actually live with the pain of changing from one to another mm. and it's also the users will see uh, you know it's about setting that desire we talked about yes this being an ad car exercise and it very much is um, so when you sort of do your packages if it's got high value return potentially you end up with you could end up with a smaller package yes so if you've got something that two thousand people are going to have to deal with and, and they use it five times a day so this is 10,000 opportunities to do it wrong, then, hey, yes. you know, <laughs> yes, just, just as a, a way of measuring it, defining that impact, defining that uh, level of annoyance, then it's going to be a large or an extra large package. You're going to need to have uh, excessive communications, mm-hmm. some great workshops so people understand. You've got to change the habits of people, make sure that they don't do it the old way and, and constantly remind them. So... But but if in some way you can ascertain the value from it to say, hey, look, you know, if you do it, this new function, you're actually going to save this process further down the line and you won't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Then they, it's easy for them to perceive it. So you can set the desire as an easy desire to change. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy knowledge item to sell. Yeah. So in some respects, ascertaining the value is really what you should do every single time. Because, I mean, there are like 15 brilliant things that you can do with new Outlook that you can't do in the old Outlook. Can you? All right, name yes. three. Uh, oh, um, adding um, or creating new meetings with other people. It's so much easier to find the right uh, space when everyone's available. That is true. That is so good. That's one. Uh, that's one. Um, what else? 
I love it when you say, there's 15 of these things. Yes. You know I'm going to ask you the question. No, but uh, yeah, uh, the, the fact that you can now do the um, slash uh, in your email to yes, give it a name. That is true. Um, also, when you drag a file into an email, it will now visually say, do you want, before you drop it, like yep. do, drop it on the left corner if you want to have it as an attachment, drop it on the right corner if you want to create a link. Well done. Yes. Three of them. Remember them. Because part of the problem is that when we use these things for a while, we forget the, what the new things are because they've yes. already become a habit. Exactly. So yeah. You and I sitting here having used New Outlook yeah. for three months or whatever the number is. And I've probably read it in five blogs and seen it in three YouTube videos. Yeah. And then suddenly it comes and I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's true. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I forgot what we were talking about now. Oh. Size of packages. We were talking about Outlook and the changes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so the uh, the final area of the of the package that we need to think about is the um, uh, the kind of ELA kind of stuff. Okay. We, we know what service level agreements are where you kind of meet a certain level of service, but there's also a, a, an end user or a user level agreement. And I think what, for, uh, if you can identify um, how happy people are with something. So for example, you know that dragging and dropping documents is something they're happy with today mm-hmm. in that they drag it on there and then they say is this online or offline whatever uh, and then people are happy with it you can you've got a measurement for that yep. and then after you've put the new change in you can measure it again and what you want to see is that ela higher than it was before and that's how you define the value of this does that tie into our XLA as well, our experience level? Yes, it probably is. Yeah. It might actually be yeah. XLA, might yeah. be a better way of doing it. But yes, experience level yeah. agreement, uh, end user. Yeah, it is an XLA. I think I'm, I think you might mm. be right, and it's not an ELA. Uh, but yes, yeah, so XLA. Um, but that was one way of doing it. So your public preview people, you were mm. actually able to work out whether they see a, an improvement on there or, or not. Yeah. So, you know, when you're in this apartment, like, do you sort of keep sneaking the window curtains open just to see what's happening when, at night time? No, most of the time I just leave them open. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just, no, I get it. I get it. Uh, all right. It's just the way every time somebody walks past, you get distracted. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good exactly. job your office is in the back. Exactly. So <laughs> my office has a beautiful view on the trees, so I can't see anyone, which is brilliant. Nobody's distracted who are skateboarding up and down the street because there's no cars on it at the moment because it's got building works. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so the XLAs, you're right, um, is is another way of deciding your impact and your level of functional change. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, it's about being able to say, look, we had 30 people running this and uh, they are getting uh, uh, an improved XLA and uh, they are therefore getting this additional value out of it. And that would help other people move on and do the same. Yes, Yes, exactly. We talked about whether there was a model here. Yes. So for a model, um, because the the question is, when is something a small, medium, or large uh, package or a, a, a size, a change-wise? Um, so what I was thinking was if we would draw um, a diagram uh, on the um, x-axis, we would say the amount of users that it impacts, and on the y-axis, I would say the the impact that it has on those people. I think we can kind of draw when something would be a small, medium, or large 
change. So if it, it if it's going to impact just a few people, and the impact is not going to be very large, it's going to be uh, a small one. But if it's going to be something with a small impact that is going to in, in um, impact everyone, that might go to a medium. Yeah, it's a. But what we're looking for here really is, is trying to find a way, and it's a question mark at the moment. So maybe it's something we'll work on, and uh, and maybe put something together at a later date. But um, can it be kind of measured before you have to release it? That's what we're trying to yeah. get. That's the mm-hmm. perfect scenario for us. So we talked about XLAs. We talked about the size of the change and the audience size, and of course the impact. So if we can measure this to be able to come up with a, it's here then that can define the size of package that you need to do. And you, yes. you have a simple yeah. cheat sheet yes. and a pricing model because you'll be able to work out what each of these T-shirt sizes cost. Yeah. And uh, you can then budget into your project or your change project. Yeah. So I think in uh, bottom line, maybe to round up, um, I think there are three things that you need to have. So first of all, you need to kind of baseline how much change your organization can handle. Yep. Um, then you need to come up with your packages and um, how much work or how many activities should be in each of these packages. Yep. And then you need to come up with your model when something would be a small, medium, or large package. Yes. And how you do all of those and how you make those decisions is going to be tied into... Um, how many people are testing these new features? I think so, yes. So your public previews, you know, mm-hmm. for your normal, your heavy users. I wonder, though, and maybe we'll cover this after we've finished uh, tasting this wonderful whiskey. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether it's time that we actually have inside a preview people on our production environments. So that Ooh. if you're trying to really get a measurement of that change... The earlier you know about it, the better quality you can get into the public preview. So, you, you know, risky, I get, but maybe we'll talk about mm. that later. Actually, okay. you're going, mm, I know mm-hmm. you don't already agree with it. So Yeah, so that, that means that there's room for a conversation. That is true. Yes. We'll have fun but with first, that. first, we are going to have a blackened conversation. Oh, we're going to have a blackened conversation. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about this while you pour it. Yes. So... Um, we did um, Maker's Mark uh, a couple of, ooh, probably quite a long month ago, we did Maker's Mark. And as part of that process, um, we talked about the history of, of Maker's Mark. We got all excited about being able to go and dip your own bottle and put your own wax on the top of it. <clears throat> and uh, and on one or two other bits and bobs. Um, but also we mentioned a guy called um, Dave Preterol who is very, very famous and well-known within, uh, within the U.S. whiskey market scene. He's a, a whiskey blender, a master blender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got together, um, we found out at the same time, with Metallica, uh, the rock band. Uh, and they created their own whiskey called Blackened. And the, what's really special about this whiskey is that they have a, a process during the maturation process where they play Metallica music to the whiskey. Yes, which which sounds pretty lame, far out there. <laughs> but actually, when you think about it, it actually makes sense. Because what we do is we put 
whiskey, or in this case, whiskey and bourbon and, um, and rye. And we put these in, in, in wooden barrels. And why do we put these in wooden barrels? So that they interact with the wood. Yep. And we saw with the, um, the bottles that came from Japan, uh, the barrels that came oh, from yes. Japan in the, yes. uh, on the sea. Uh, so they would be put on a boat so that they would wiggle about and that the whiskey would wiggle interact. About. They would rock on the water. They would yes. rock on, yes. <laughs> Uh, and therefore interact more with the wood. So same thing here. So if you put big subwoofers <laughs> next to your barrels <laughs> and you have them play Metallica. music or sounds, everything will vibrate, and that will get more. Con- that will give you more contact with the wood. It's it's actually true. And I, I referenced earlier. There's a DJ that also has his own whiskey in France, and he. Uh, he has the same thing. He, and you can actually go and have a gig in the venue. The guy plays his set uh, and uh, to the whiskey uh, as well as the recording. So we've kind of been trying to get hold of a, a bottle of this, or I have anyway. Every yep. time we went to California, we couldn't find one. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked Tony, who we met over in California when we was in Vegas, and uh, we couldn't find it anywhere. And then uh, Anouk went to the community New York community to present, and I went if by any remote chance, and uh, I suddenly got a message that said, "I've just walked past a big poster which I think has got your whiskey name on it." And so she delivered um, a bottle for us to taste, and that's what we're going to do now. So Woo-hoo. thank you very much. Um, but uh, so we talked about this and about the playlist. So when you go to the uh, website office three six five distilled dot com, you look this up, you will find a link to the music that this particular whiskey has had played to it as part of its maturation process. So this is batch 136. Uh, The whiskey is called Blackened, um, and uh, it's a a blend from particular barrels uh, with Metallica, uh, who actually own part of the process. But uh, the original version, because David now has died, unfortunately passed over. Um, uh, so Dave did the original blend, and it's got a bunch of uh, awards I noticed as well. Yeah, so, I saw that as well. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, pretty cool. So that's what we're drinking. I've I've been waiting for this for a long time. So um, are you going to hit it first? I mean, what do you think of the nose? Now I know you're not the happiest of person yet. No. So we tried this earlier, and um, to be honest, yeah. I was like medium impressed. I guess the problem isn't it. We've been waiting so long to taste this thing. When I said to you, "Hey, look what I've got in my hand," you went, "Ooh!" Exactly. And then the yes. afternoon you went, Ugh. "Maybe I was just too, too excited." excited. Yes, exactly. So nose-wise, uh, it's it's a fairly standard bourbon whiskey rye kind of nose. I kind of say it's less. I think it's, I mean, if you stick, you stick your nose on a Jack Daniels, if you stick your nose on a uh, Uncle Nearest, if you, and we had a couple of here. So. Yeah, we have a, a Michter's Straight Dry. We have a Buffalo Trace on the table as well yeah. to so, compare notes. Yeah, just for to compare notes. Compare so. notes, of course, um, of course. But, but yeah, so I think it's a little bit lower on the nose, mm-hmm. I have to say. So, but it is, it is rye-ish, um, but it's not the best nose in the world no. for a whiskey. No, it's not. So it's it's pretty it's subtle. Subtle. That's I think, a nice word. I think that's a nice word to describe it. Yes, exactly. Because it is there. Yeah. Um, what did they say on the on the notes of the nose? 
with some apricots and honey and honey and some little mint as well but i can't seem to find that no i get the corn and the rye mm -hmm. um and uh I, not really very sweet no because it's it's actually says a blend of straight whiskies finished in black brandy casks. We've tried to do some research on the on black, black brandy. brandy casks, yeah. and we can't find out anything about them. So we kind of got to dig around this a little bit more. But uh, mm -hmm. but there you go. So it's, there's a lot of mysteries around this mysterious whiskey. Exactly. But yeah. there you go. All right. I'm going to. But taste at it. least we know what kind of music they listen to. Mm. So yeah. And so will you. I hope you like Metallica because every track is a Metallica track. Of course, so. yeah, yeah. But I like this. I know you don't. I mean, I'm I'm tasting it now on the palate. It's smooth. It's kind of honey and sweet um, on the palate. Um, and um, uh, when the finish comes along, you got a nice bite on the sides of your tongue. Uh, and the finish is quite long. I mean, it's it's not long and complex, but it. It's not like a lot of American whiskeys. Let's be honest. Both of the other ones we have on the table, for comparison purposes, mm -hmm. the finish is very short. You know. Well, he does not want this whiskey to be worse or better than the others. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I, I mean, I'm still tasting this now. I, you know, thirty seconds same. later. Same. So you can't argue that the finish is short. No. It it and and it does have a good finish, but mm. it's it it doesn't stand out that much. No. But the trouble is that we are by now whiskey snobs. I think so. And we've tasted so many crazy whiskies with so many crazy finishes that just show us all kinds of the spectrum. That this one is kind of it is it is properly well made i mean you can taste it that it's it's a good whiskey it is at the luxury end of the whiskey there's absolutely. no doubt about that it's smooth yes. it's chewable yes absolutely uh but it do just doesn't have any crazy aspect to it It doesn't send your head bagging down the road you know i've been playing metallica music yes. maybe that's what we're missing Yes. We're not drinking it to Metallica soundtracks. Maybe that's the problem. Yes. Maybe that's the problem. All right. Well, we can fix that a little bit later, maybe. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right. So that was Blackened Batch 136. Uh, and uh, just for fun, if you can get a bottle, it's certainly worth buying it if you are a collector of whiskeys and you like American whiskey. It's not bad. It's it, definitely it's not, not bad. It's just not hitting Moraine's bells at the top end at this moment in time. But I also know he said that about several whiskies and then changes his mind over a period of time. That is but true. But this bottle's going on with me, so yeah. I'm not entirely certain no. you'll get a chance. And uh, I'll keep trying it next Tuesday and the Tuesday after to see whether it changes. All right, all right. So we'll go. Right. But there you go. So, yes, we've been talking about that. And, again, big thank you uh, for making that happen. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so that's blackened. I think I might put some in the hip flask and take it to the uh, party on the South Coast Summit. I think that's a brilliant can, idea. We can yes. get some comparisons. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure Kevin's going. I wonder what this tastes like, then, boys. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. If, if there's yes. any left in October the thirteenth, mm, we'll see. Okay. All right, good. So we we left ourselves a bit of a question, um, and um, I kind of. Um, uh, many of you are aware now that I'm, I'm, I have a role of a, a infrastructure manager for 
uh, an organization. So I'm doing a lot more strategic decision kind of stuff. And one of the questions I was asking myself and I threw at the team was whether we should have some users on uh, the insider preview previews. Yeah. So, so the this- insider preview is actually, so for the people that don't know what it yeah, is. Good question. So it's actually when Microsoft still is in, in, when it's still in a beta phase. Maybe I can just try and add to, uh, to, yeah, sure. add to that. Yeah. So Microsoft work on the idea that uh, they have rings of development mm-hmm. and rings of release, release yes. rings. That's what yes. we do. So the first release goes to Microsoft employees and it's mm-hmm. boogie and they fix it themselves and they get good reports back. Uh, and then it moves into a closer to, to the ring as they fix those bugs. And by the time it gets to the center ring, it's on production. Yeah. So, uh, that you can maybe put your conversation into that context. So oh well, the, the yeah. So so it's it's very early. So it's still it's it's. They actually say like you've got two insider rings. The first insider ring definitely don't put it on your production devices. Correct. Uh, the other one, do it at your own risk. Yeah. So if we start from the center one, the center one is production. Yeah. So regular updates, mm-hmm. regular checks, yes. everything else. The ring on the outside well, I would of even that, say like the six-month rollout period. Yeah, but that's just yes. different well, ways of, of rolling out. Some rollout. companies do 30 days. Yes. Some people mm-hmm. come six months, depending on what, yes. uh, what you do from a corporation. But there's the center one's production. The one on the outside, uh, to keep it simple, is your public preview. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft saying, hey, it's kind of production ready. Yes. Um, but uh, we haven't got the training material ready for it yet. And there may be some surprises, but nothing mm-hmm. that will kill you. Um, and so then you have public preview. Then you have probably the first of the insider previews. Rings, which is which the is, targeted release, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's they're, they're ready to release it. They've got rid of most of the, we're going to kill you bugs mm-hmm. and cause you a problem. And then there's a ring outside of that, mm-hmm. which is the, hey, look, this is raw code for your developers, for your uh, users, uh, for your non-production environments. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about it. And, and Microsoft always have this little text at the bottom that says we take no responsibility for... Or yes. where you're at, uh, and then of course the one next ring out of there is actually where Microsoft employees test this in a in a production environment. Yeah. So I do feel sorry for Microsoft employees. Sometimes they have to kind of deal with all of this buggy stuff. Yes. But but there you go. I remember I remember once the the insider preview did bite me, and you really enjoyed the podcast where my machine completely crashed and died. And you spent the whole podcast going, well, that's what you get for being on the Insider Preview. Did I? You did. Oh. You did. Okay. Did you enjoy okay. it? Well, <laughs> obviously, you didn't enjoy it that much. Otherwise, you'd remember it. Yeah, but, but because these days on my, on my little Surface device, I'm also I'm both running the Windows Insider and the uh, Office 365 uh, Preview. Targeted release. Yeah, I'm yeah. the same on this laptop here. Yeah. We're, both, we're both mobile today because mm-hmm. uh, we're not in Moraine's office. Uh, even though we would not be so distracted by the window. Uh, and the one I normally use at home, I don't have the uh, the insider preview done, yeah. so my main mm-hmm. machine. But I, my question really is that if we are trying to decide the functional change and the level of annoyance and the impact on this, six weeks is okay, but if you have to start developing your training and for functional change, mm-hmm. then maybe the insider preview needs to be something that you risk within the organization and, and find because six weeks is nothing to be honest. No, and definitely if, if, if you're talking about, uh, for example, 
uh, macros that are being used on production lines, uh, then you might even want to be ahead of that and, and yeah, be one step uh, closer to finding a good solution on those macros that need to be changed before they actually break down on the line. Yeah, but I think more even practically that. What about where um, you need to develop a training course because the functional change is large? Six mm -hmm. weeks to actually develop online learning, yeah. uh, a training course, uh, have it tested, have it written, mm -hmm. find a supplier if you use external or managed service training. It's kind of short-term yes. stuff. Yeah. Um, and there is a, a lot of information around what's included and excluded from those insider previews as an insider tester, insider user. So, so, yeah, but you do have to find some way of managing the risk. Yes. Because if that person cannot open up Outlook, for example, if, if Outlook is completely gone bonkers, then, uh, yeah, then you have the risk of that person not being able to work for a whole day or two weeks or whatever. This is really nice. <laughs> yeah. I had a bit left in the glass. That's good. But you're That's right. Uh, but I think you can mitigate it. For example... Um, yeah, using the online, uh, the browser stuff, for example. You could do. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And also, of course, if it's inside an organization, you can say, look, if it really screws up, we can replace your machine, just just uh, sign into a new laptop, which we have ready for you, and you're, you're back up and running. So you need people like inside your IT team or maybe your ambassadors that, you know, that are not coal-face workers mm -hmm. um, to do it. But I honestly think that the risk needs to be assessed as to whether we do actually have a series of six or 12 people on insider release inside a preview i don't know yeah because it's going to be difficult to select those people because they need to be able to handle change but they also need to be able to use enough features yeah. of those products make it worthwhile to make it worthwhile yeah exactly that's yeah, a very valid yeah. point i mean obviously i would put myself in that list because I'm not, I'm not in of the production course. i'm an it manager and i like toys to play with but i'm sure there are other people that that like the same thing mm -hmm. in fact i could probably think about six people in my office yeah. now that really would not mind they're developers they're uh their their it users um mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to seriously think. I'll let people know what I actually decided to, to do that. I need to talk to people that are responsible for Microsoft 365 in the environment now. Yep. I've got a new project manager started uh, to, to deal with Microsoft 365 yeah. rollout, so I might have to ask him. Yeah, probably. It's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. All right, good, good, good. Um, so there you go. What was your golden nugget? Oh, the uh, change points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the package. organization change points. And I think there's a good conversation to be had on how to find the change points that your organization can handle. Yeah. How are we going to measure that? How can we maybe enhance that number? I think if you're an organization that is already agile... So yeah. you're already doing, you know, uh, safe, agile kind of stuff where every quarter you know what you're going to do in terms of this quarter to be able to add on uh, a measurement because agile is all about measuring it, adding on a measure of uh, XLA 
end-user level agreement and acceptability, then potentially it's fairly easy. Yeah. If you're an organization that isn't at that level, then I think it's going to be slightly more difficult. Um, but you could also have a parallel process that just questions people every quarter and says, hey, you know, what is it like at the moment? And yeah. what can you, yeah. what can you And even in? these change points might even be different depending on what department or country or office you're uh, talking to. Yeah, I think that's something we, we didn't really mention too much on here. But th that thing about audiences, mm -hmm. um, it could well be that um, uh, only... 20% of the organization is affected by this change. Yes. And this 20% over here is affected by this change. So that's two changes you can do at the same time because they're not overlapping. Yep, exactly. So um, I think the impact of change is becoming more important for you to be able to plan and deliver change in bulk, in quantity. Yeah. Um, and as a closing note... Uh, making your organization realize that change is inevitable and uh, helping them accept it a, a lot easier than they do now. Yeah. All right. That's, that's it, I think. I think so. Cool. All right. Thank you very much for your apartment, uh, for recording here today, rather than you coming to my place. It's fine. I didn't have to do anything. No, just turn up and open the door when exactly. packages arrived. Yep. I was the first package and your neighbor's package was the second. Yeah. Yeah. Just put some clean glasses on the table and uh, we were ready to rock and roll. Uh, easy done, easy done. All right. Well, um, ah, I hope you enjoyed this. It was uh, an interesting idea and I uh, hope you've learned something from it. Moraine is now collecting golden nuggets, so I'm going to find out where he's writing them down. Yeah. And because uh, I bet he's forgot to do that already. Uh, no. Excellent. Well done. All right. Well, Steve, Sai Steve saying uh, hi and bye. And uh, Moraine is now going to give one of his elaborate speeches. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye.